Hello and welcome to the Gibraltar Business Podcast, where we bring you inspiring stories from entrepreneurs and business leaders. The Gibraltar Business Podcast is brought to you by the GFSB and is sponsored by Gibraltar International Bank, which shares our passion for all things business. I'm super grateful to the bank for their continued support and invaluable contribution to the show. I'm your host, David Aragliade, and this week's guest is Stuart Botter, the founder of UK-based motorsports media agency, Is It Fast Media? Stuart's a trailblazer and has built a successful business by covering motorsports and producing high-performing campaigns for brands we all know. But that's not all. Stuart is also a proud Gibraltarian. We'll discuss his take on the business scene here on The Rock and his experience of starting and running a business in the UK. Stuart's story will surely inspire. Before we start, I want to give a big shout out to those of you listening from abroad. Thank you for listening and for tuning in from all over the world. I'd like to hear from you. I want to know who you are, what you think of the show, and if there's any guests or issue that you'd like us to feature, please let us know. Just email david at motion-gi.com. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired by Stuart Botter on the Gibraltar Business Podcast. Stuart, thank you for your time today, and thank you for joining me in the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much for, for inviting me on. It's a thrill. For the benefit of our listeners, I know a bit about what you do, which hopefully means that I can ask you good questions. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Stuart. I'm the founder and I think for today, my title will be creative director at, uh, at Is It Fast Media? We are a pretty large, pretty unique organization, I guess. So we started life as a white label marketing agency and a content agency doing all the lovely things that uh, that those kind of companies do. And then by kind of following my some of my passions, we've ended up specializing in the, the motorsport, automotive sports and lifestyle space. And that covers a huge amount and a huge number of sins. Uh, it basically means we get to hang around with businesses and, and companies that go quickly or do interesting things or uh, certainly in the hospitality space that allow you to sample their wares uh, to make sure that all their booze is fine and that all their hotel beds are comfortable, which is um, someone's got to do it. It's it's a tough job, but I, I humbly elect myself in most cases to do that. Uh, and we've been very, uh, very lucky and very privileged over the last five or so years that, that we've been in this current guise to work with some incredible clients in some incredible places around the world and create some really amazing content and, and marketing strategy that, that I'm always really proud of. Of, uh, of talking about and showing off. So um, professionally, that's where where I find myself right now. Okay. Um, How about how to work? You, you're you're Gibraltarian, aren't you? Yeah. So I'm I'm one of these far flung Yanitos that have found ourselves kind of around the world. So so um, so my dad is is from Gibraltar. Uh, left in 1977 to go to university, but most of my family are still there. I spent certainly growing up my summers and my my Christmases over there with my you know my grandparents and my cousins and my aunties and my uncles. Uh, my mum is from Scotland, but her parents uh, met in Gibraltar while they were stationed in the army, which is how my parents started speaking at university, uh, which was lucky. So if it wasn't for Gibraltar as a whole, I wouldn't exist. And uh, yeah, one of those weird twists of fate. Uh, and I grew up uh, in Luxembourg uh, until I was uh, in my teens, and so when you're kind of you know your your parents are from two different places and you grow up somewhere where you're definitely a foreigner as lovely as Luxembourg is and as inclusive as it was and I was very lucky to live there when I did so for me Gibraltar and Scotland have been home because by the time I was old enough to uh, kind of go well where am I from and you know what's my culture and you know why do I speak like this and uh, and all the rest of it uh, so when I'm in in Jib I feel like I'm at home because I am and because it's warmer and sunnier than 
Scotland. It tends to win in terms of where I go. Um, and and I yeah, I go back as, as often as I can to see everybody. So yeah, don't don't let the slightly posh accent kind of put okay. you off. <laughs> so that's so no, look, Gibraltar and then Scotland. I know they're definitely the, the the whiskey's better in Scotland, I'm told. It is, but it's cheaper in Jib. So Yes, you know, true, 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 true. So best best of both worlds. Best of both, right? Um Stu, uh Going back to the agency, you know, and I think I've come back to the, the the kind of the dream job scenario that it seems you, you know you're kind of building there. But what inspired you to start the agency? What was the idea to go right? This is what I want to do. It was um, it more by accident than design. So when I started out my professional career, it was in uh, I did a couple of things, uh, but it landed ended up being in finance. Uh, ended up doing quite well. Um, I was quite high up in, in retail and niche lending at a small venture capitalist funded bank, which was, you know, great, but I've always been quite creative and I, I found it relatively boring, if I'm being honest. But part of my function there was to manage marketing and outreach and, and, and what have you. I had a small team that reported to me there. And I thought, this is way better. This is way more fun. So uh, a couple of kind of things changed for me personally and professionally. And I was given an opportunity to to kind of scratch that marketing itch, if you like. So I took a big jump. It was very risky. I'd worked most of my professional career as, as, a, as a finance guy. And I thought, ah, I can write copy. This is easy. And I get to not have to wear a tie. Uh, and this is wonderful. So, so I took a bit of a leap. It was tough, but I, I joined a great agency. We had all sorts of interesting clients. And, and, and in fairness to them, they, they took a risk on me as well. And we started out kind of using my finance and more professional services background to sell into those industries and create frameworks and content and and a lot on UX on 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 customer journeys both digitally and physically to make banking pharmaceuticals kind of telecommunications as well uh, so we worked with a company that invented if you ever got a text for pin authentication when you put your email address in and you get a pin number to authenticate who you are we worked with those guys to try and make that UX process easier and that was all great and then my attention span came back and got me again and I was like oh this is fun but I really love cars and I love motorsport and I love rugby and I love watches and I love coffee and I want to kind of indulge that passion. So I started just writing articles randomly about those subjects, mainly motorsport and cars. And I was really lucky, I guess professionally, it's kind of my job to be found, but I was really lucky to be picked up by the now ex-Top Gear trio of Hammond, Clarkson and May in their new venture, Drive Tribe. And I was taken on to write articles and, and be a journalist, which was mad, to talk about cars and motorsport. And I thought, well, this is this is amazing because this is what I love doing. Fast forward a few years and I managed to combine my newfound career as a journalist, which the then journalist, me, right? Okay. Uh, which was mad. I still have my job at the agency. So went out on my own with uh, a couple of guys that, that that supported me to found what is now Is It Fast? What was that turning point? You know, when you fast forward and I think, you know, uh, when I speak to, you know, with, with many of the people that I speak to, luck does play a part, but yeah. the luck might get you that first opportunity and it comes down to kind of work. So you would, you mentioned you had that busy agency job. You were also writing articles for Top Gear and all sorts of stuff. At what point did you go, you know what, I'm going to do it for um, myself? It was... And how? It, I mean, first of all, uh, I try and pride myself on time management, but it was getting much harder because I was getting so many offers, first of all, to go and 
and attend press launches and drive cars around and attend events and write the write about them. Which, or you, you know, you know? I know oh, it's a tough life, but someone's got to do it. But it was actually becoming quite tough to manage kind of the day to day. And I wasn't doing any of these things for free. So luckily, in terms of keeping body and soul together, I was being paid to basically go and do what I never thought I'd ever be asked to do. Now, I worked obviously really hard. That that kind of goes without saying, you know, I was working late nights and I was doing all sorts of stuff. But it got to a point where I could just about sustain myself as a writer and a journalist, which is really hard to do that. But because I have, like most of us, right, we have so many different interests, we have so many different things that we like to do. I really loved working with brands and businesses to help with their with their marketing and their activation. So I thought, well, how can I combine these things together? And as I continued through my, my automotive journey, I started finding myself in the world of motorsport. And in the world of motorsport, it's a very expensive place to be. There's a, a constant discussion as to, is it a sport or is it a business? Because it costs a lot to do it. Whereas if you are, say, a naturally talented footballer, it doesn't really matter where you're from. As long as you're found, you can do it. Whereas oh, so there's less barriers. Yeah, there's less exactly, barriers exactly. to entry. I think when you've got motorsport, there's a huge kind of, you know, you, you need that finance, you need that in, in the financial backing. Exactly. So I'd find myself reporting on motorsport or being around the motorsport world and sponsors of teams or drivers or championships would go, oh, we've just paid all this money to help a driver find a seat or to, to advertise on the car or on the TV between the slots of, of the actual racing, we're not really getting an awful lot back. And we don't really know what would be the best way to turn this very visible venture into a, a less expensive one because we're selling our services or products better. And I kind of put my hand up and I go, well, actually, as it happens, <laughs> I'm actually a marketing guy as well as this. And that's where the Is It Fasting came from. So we, we formed that group to supply services into that very niche market. Uh, which now over the, you know, we're talking five years down the line, we still provide services as a white label into all sorts of other industries, but the motorsport and automotive and kind of lifestyle area is very much our tip of the iceberg, our, our shop window. Look at what we can do. It looks great. Look at all the, the, the ROI that we're providing for companies, the return on investment we're providing for companies here. We can do this for you across all sorts of different outlets, all sorts of different ventures. And that's how, yeah, I've kind of found myself doing all these weird and wonderful things now where I, when I say no two days are the same, I genuinely mean no two days are the same. So, um, so yeah. Congratulations also on the name. I, I love the name of the, the agency you have. I think it, it's one of those probably questions that everyone asks, right? You see the cool car, it's like, <laughs> is it fast though? A hundred percent, yeah. Motorsports and the motorsport industry is your, your main source of kind of business and clients, but what are some of the other industries? You mentioned white label, but what other industries do you work with? Yeah, so we, we work a surprisingly large amount in kind of hospitality and consumables. Uh, and, and by consumables, it's, you know, things that you drink. So we work with um, quite a large wine distributor based out in, in Australia. And they, funnily enough, became a client because they didn't have a foothold of pied de terre in, in the UK or in Europe. And so we started working with them to help increase their brand and the brands within their group. Monster Energy, I'm sure everybody's heard of them. Yeah. Uh, so we've worked alongside Monster for the last few years in different guises, doing different projects. So yeah, anything that you can kind of sip on is yeah i was is, gonna say okay so it's it's cars you've got wine you've got monster you know these these are big brands are like um, yeah. dream briefs i'm sure and dream job yeah what's the reality like you know and what what are the challenges of managing a creative agency you know the payoff is huge in terms of from a creative perspective when you get to the end of a project that's great uh, the reality that certainly from 
my perspective and the perspective of, of my team, the guys that work work with me and, and alongside me are fantastic, very patient, uh, hugely creative, and, and actually very good kind of activators. You know, they can see what, what a client or a brief is trying to do and make that work in the real world, which is very different. Content and marketing has been very logical for such a long time, but human beings aren't logical. And, and we're very good at that as an agency. We kind of go, yeah, but humans don't always act the way you think they're going to act. So have we factored that into a degree? But the, the reality is a lot of these, even these massive international companies, not all of them, but a lot of them have actually got very small marketing functions. They've got very, very small headcount. And one of the things that we've done, not giving away the trade secret, but one of the things that we've we've really hit the nail on the head is taking the thinking power or the, the need for a marketing individual or a marketing team internally to do a lot of the heavy lifting and a lot of the thinking. So we'll show up and go, we know that you're trying to sell more bottles of wine or more watches or get more people to see your brand, whatever the, the general objective and success metric might be, we just go, look, we've got your brief. You can trust us to go away and, and hash it out, have all the bad ideas, have all the good ideas, and we'll come back to you with something that's going to work or not work, of course, because marketing is you know is like that. But you don't have to worry about it. You know, Tell us what you're struggling with, and we will take that struggle off your hands. And even better, when the success comes, we're not going to sit there and, and go, oh, that was us, by the way. You know, you yeah, go yeah, ahead, yeah. marketing director, marketing manager, you, that was all you because you appointed us. Therefore, actually, the success was yours. And that's always a nice little human touch that we've we've done quite well i'm sure it's not unique but it, it certainly serves us really well, well you know the agencies thrive for the same reason and i think you know locally in gibraltar there are more and more agencies there's more kind of focus that i'm seeing as a, as a marketer myself a bit more focus on content right but i know what content is you might you know what content is and it's a word that's used so much you know you you tell clients like you need a content strategy but but what actually is it in what's your definition of content yeah. and why is it important uh well six ish seven ish years ago when i started out content as a word and as a theory was exclusively the preserve of marketing wafflers like us right Agree, yeah, um, yeah. We've, now, we, we know content is king and all the mantras yeah, but. yeah. and we were great I, I always found that oh, I can hide behind this for a bit before I figure out what this means and, and now YouTubers use it you know not, not to belittle anything like that but people are like did you enjoy our content and it blew my mind the first time I heard that yeah content to me uh, just means something a thing a group of something that somebody can basically learn from be educated by or be entertained by and that's even more marketing but content is just your story as a business brand individual that you're putting out into the world for people to see. And that means it covers all sorts of sins for me. It could be the written word. We're obsessed with digital marketing. I'm obsessed with digital marketing, but content can be physical. You know, I think a well-placed leaflet or billboard is still just as powerful yep. as, as a great social campaign or, or, or whatever. You know, I think all the best strategies that we've ever implemented have been a nice mix of physical touch points, digital touch points, something that someone can watch, something that someone can read, something that someone can send to someone else. You know, we've done our fair share of, of guerrilla content. We, we did a campaign last year for a, a racing team where we sent car keys to a group of businesses and they had no idea what it was. The only way that they would find out what that car key was for is they had to ring the number that was in the box. Um, wow. And and then that team picked up and went, oh, you must have, you must want the key to our car. And um, when we pitched that idea, they were like, this is mental. We're just going to get loads of bomb squad kind of thing. It's just a, like a brown box with a key in it. It's like, people are going to think they're in, we're insane. And I was like, no, it's great. Just don't pick up the phone if it's that bad. Um, but luckily it worked. And, um, you know, we only talk about the ones that work. But that's content. A car key, the, a group of keys that we bought off eBay for cars that had been crushed 20 years ago or something, that's content. 
just in a different format. So it's it's a pretty expansive term for me, but for me, it's just, yeah, anything that can be used to share a story or a message. Agree, agree. I think for me anyway, it's about creating something that connects with that person, right? And again, that it adds value. For me, it's all about adding value. I've, I've kind of worked with brands in the past and they just want to talk about themselves or what they're doing as, as a company. But I think it's, for me, I always use a metric, so what, right? What does that mean for the client? So if it gives them enjoyment, makes them laugh, cry, or makes them, as you say, want to share it, then then definitely it's something worth doing, right? Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. Going to the the sector right now, like, you know, I know that you're working with a number of them, but going back to the motorsports one, Mm. you've done it for a number of years. How many years have you been working with the motorsports? This will be my fifth season, I think full season in the global calendar yeah how do you see it kind of evolving in the next kind of five to ten years it's an interesting sector because of the finances involved it's uh, and the kind of people that have traditionally taken part it's quite old school you know i kind of refer to it as as, as kind of you know accounting or, or the legal industry kind of in the 90s it's uh, a lot of kind of old rich dudes basically kind of throwing money around traditionally that has changed over the last certainly in my time the reality is that like any spectator sport essentially you have to engage with your fan base you have to attract a new fan base and you need to keep them coming back and fundamentally from a commercial perspective you have to keep them spending money and that is true on both sides of the divide fans to keep them coming and businesses to to keep them spending and you know we're in a very privileged position where not only do we work in the space but we have our own motorsport team to kind of prove what we're up to so we're also competing on the track against people uh, which is um, wow how how is that sorry i I must have missed that completely so you've got your own team tell me about that uh we've got our own team so motorsport is a very is very different to other sports in terms of you know lincoln red imps and and that's that's the football team and then you get players and you sign players and then you play football against other teams from other localities very simple kind of metric Uh, motorsport is a lot more there's a lot more different layers so we've got drivers sponsors that are ours and then we go to the next level which is pick a competitive car and a competitive championship to make it worthwhile and then we go from there so the last three years we've had multiple different drivers multiple different teams all at an elite level so we stay very much in the background as a brand you will see our logos on some of the cars but really it's about promoting our clients so it's it's really started as another activation route you know if you come with us not only will we market you but we can physically give you an option that that other people wouldn't give you and it's cool which apparently is not a business metric <laughs> so and so, it yeah. and it must work right because you're in the industry i guess if you does. tell a client that you're actually in there you 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 you're already more cred you already have that kind of insider yeah. knowledge right yeah and we're, we're very quiet about it um in fact this is probably the first time that i've publicly acknowledged that we're out there so oh, there's an exclusive guys there's an exclusive but you know if people follow certainly myself and my personal brands like Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever. I talk about these cars a lot. <laughs> uh, and so you can very quickly tell that I've, I've got a, a finger in that particular sporting pie. Uh, but it means we do see the the industry as it evolves and, and we do have a, an ability to to trial things that other more established teams and, and, and personalities don't have the opportunity to do. But I think as a sport, I think it's actually in line with other sporting disciplines, football, rugby, cricket, where I think the commercial ability or certainly the way to capture an audience and then convert that audience into a fan or a customer is going to increase exponentially over the next 10 years. Sporting in general and sporting sponsorship and and enjoyment, I think, will go up as the power of 
these uh, of social platforms and the ability to target on those platforms reduces. It's a whole uh, it's a whole book I'm writing in my head about. about yeah, you know, I, I'm sure, and I think there's so many different elements. You know, you've got esports coming through. Do you have a presence in that realm? We, you know, all we all. Do. <laughs> how is that? You know, that's a whole uh, other arm, right? Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Huge amounts of of opportunity. Obviously, overheads are considerably lower from an esports perspective. Even if you spent the most you could really spend on on a really competitive, uh, certainly racing sim setup for esports is and we have them dotted around you know fifty thousand pounds where it's a full immersive and that's an awful lot of money you know but it's super immersive super competitive but fifty thousand pounds in real motorsport real world motorsport 50 grand is a weekend you, you have to spend 50 grand a weekend to be competitive so it's it's so it's so much easier to make it a viable business and it's so much easier for fans to get involved with it and to then show fans you know oh you know we've got a fanatec wheel and if you want to own one yourself click this link and it will go straight through and you can track that so from a marketer's perspective esports is oh, yeah, yeah 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 you, you kind of look yeah. completely um Stu, obviously we've got the link to gibraltar gibraltarian does that link come through professionally do you work with businesses in gibraltar because i came across you or it was on twitter because you'd put a, a message kind of calling out for local businesses to get in touch from that then we made a connection do you want to work with local companies what's your take Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the quick answer is is yes. You know, we're, we're we're very lucky here that we've built a really strong platform. We have all these different kind of outlets, and then you combine that with the fact that I'm 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 probably aggressively patriotic about about being Gibraltarian. You know, you kind of no one asks me. I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm from Gibraltar. It's lovely. You should visit. Um, <laughs> didn't ask, mate. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, cool. But where we have now a, a solid platform and, and and multiple different ways of supporting businesses in jib and when we connected it felt like a the right time for me to kind of go okay what can we offer you know gibraltarian businesses that are... what is it you can offer gibraltarian businesses well see that was the big question that we've been debating internally for about 18 months and the answer to that is essentially threefold so you've got our very loud outlets so you know alongside is it fast media we have visit fast tv we have visit fast podcasts we've obviously got the sporting outlets as well with the, with the cars and, and and they're all on primetime television in the UK, we participate in the only free-to-air set of championships. You know, you can't even watch football that free. You know, so so we've got huge captive audiences. So from a brand-building perspective, loads of eyeballs could understand what Jib is, what what the particular business is, and the, that kind of uh, more visual side of it. But then also the more professional side, where you know we have a huge presence, certainly in London, in other kind of capital English-speaking capitals around the world and big metropolitan areas. And there are lots of businesses in Jib. And because Gibraltar is certainly from a marketing and a content and a brand awareness perspective in all, all sorts of the different industries that, that we do so well, the need to have good networks of, okay, we, we might be a, a Gibraltar-based business, but we've got something that needs to be done in the UK, the US, Australia, whatever. Who do we pick up the phone to and who can we trust to do a good job for us and represent us well? And that's something that I think we're in a unique position to offer. You know, there's obviously there's there's loads of Gibraltarians who are live in the UK or in Australia or the US and do a great job in the field that they uh, have chosen to be in. And I am just another one of those. <laughs> but in the, in a world where brand and marketing is so prevalent and so important, we felt it was a good time to kind of 
pull the curtain back and go, do you know what? Not by dent of being Gibraltarian alone should you trust us to do a good job. Absolutely not. But no, but, but I guess, I guess it's, of course, I guess it's kind of, you know, to listeners is, is check you guys out and see if it is something that, that you guys can do. Two things before we go, and I'm just aware of time. One of them was, I guess, a bit more of a boring one, which was when you mentioned you're juggling your agency, a lot of the different projects that you're proud of your time management skills. What tips can you give me for managing <laughs> workloads? Uh, for a friend here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, yeah. No, no, definitely not you. It's really important. The biggest thing that happened that allowed me to, to manage, because not only am I managing multiple brands within my group and multiple projects within each brand, I also have the misfortune of managing multiple time zones. So we, we work in Australia, we work in Europe, which is easier, obviously, it's just a few hours here or there. And then the US, where then kind of sometimes we're working in the future, sometimes we're working in the past. It's a nightmare. Um, it's a killer. It's, a killer yeah. it's, it's interesting. Pick a diary system and stick to it. So, you know, I'm a slave to my Google diary. The minute you've got something that's coming through, the minute you've got a deadline, the minute, the minute I've got something that needs to be done, I will practically drop everything and stick it in the diary straight away. My business partner works on a paper diary, which is an interesting decision, nice. but it, but it's it's his one system. He sticks to it and it works for him. When it comes to the best thing of diary management is knowing when you're stretching yourself too far and when to delegate, <laughs> which is something you learn the hard way sometimes. Uh, and I certainly have. And that has been a huge part of it. So, you know, the best way to manage your tasks and your diary within the uh, and, and, and your diary management within that um, is don't overburden yourself is a key okay. part for me. You know, so those are wise words too. One, one last thing is what advice do you have for someone who's thinking of starting a business? That is tough. Advice, be confident. If you've made the decision to go out on your own, you you must be good. Otherwise, your brain wouldn't have gotten you to that point. With the flip side of always be ready to learn and always be ready to listen. It's not something that everybody is good at all the time. But if you're willing to, to realize that it's not going to be necessarily straightforward and that there are occasions where someone has already done what you're trying to do and it might be worth learning from from said person. Uh, that is a, a huge, a huge part of it. I think for me personally, the best advice I've, I've ever received uh, when I went out was um, surround yourself with people better than you. That was handy and, and continues to be handy. My entire team and, and the people that I work with and my extended network are all single-handedly more talented than I am. And uh, and that works really well. Uh, I, I just managed to lasso them all together <laughs> and give them a bit of direction. That is all I bring to the party, really. Uh, so yeah, that would be. So yeah. so so what you're saying is surround yourself with good people, not just good people, better people than you, right? And pay your bills on time. That is also. Oh right. yeah, pay your bills. <laughs> pay your bills. Pay your pay your staff. Pay your invoices uh, well on time. That's uh, that's also stands you in good stead. Yeah. Well, Stu, we're out of time, but thank you so much for your time. It's been super interesting. And yeah, take care. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Gibraltar Business Podcast. I'd like to say thanks to Stuart Botter for his time. Thanks for your flexibility in arranging the interview. I really appreciated that. I also want to thank our sponsors at Gibraltar International Bank for their continued support of the podcast. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Big shout out again to those of you listening from abroad. I hope you found this episode informative and engaging. If you'd like to feature in a future episode, please contact me on david at motion-gi.com. That's david at motion-gi.com. Remember to subscribe to the show so you get all the episodes. Until next time, keep striving for success and stay tuned for more exciting discussion on the business landscape here in Gibraltar and abroad. See you next week.